You're listening to audio from Grace Church Miami. May you be challenged and encouraged by this message. Having the affections of your heart stirred towards greater love and understanding of the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit gracechurch.miami. Why is it that what took place in a Middle Eastern town by a teenage girl who did not speak your language and you do not speak her language, why does it have such a bearing on your life today? Well, that's exactly what we see. And now this morning, I want to, if you have a Bible, to ask you to turn to it, to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have the Bible, that's totally fine. You can just listen along as I explain to you and read to you from the text. But what we want to do is we want to look at what I would think really is kind of the first Christmas Eve service. Now, it's our practice at Grace Church when Christmas does not fall on a Sunday uh, to be able to have a Christmas Eve service the night before. We did not last night because we knew we'd be gathering together today on Christmas Day. But if you think about different churches and different occasions around the world over the years, Christians have often gathered to give thanks to God and to celebrate God being with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And even as we see in the name of Jesus that the Lord saves. Well, I want to direct your attention to what I really would call the first Christmas Eve service, not because it happened the night before the birth of Christ, but just on the eve, the beginning of, the before of what Christ would coming. And it found in Luke chapter 1. It's in Mary's response to the conversation she's having with Elizabeth. And as you can see in this conversation in verse 39, as Mary went to be with Elizabeth, and in the greeting of one another, and how even Elizabeth responds to Mary in verse 42 when she says about Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And look at what she says in verse 43, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then later on, Mary responds in really what's, you could say, the first Christmas Eve worship service. And that's our text for this morning to look at together, verse 46 and following. Follow along as I read the text. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. We'll stop there. We recognize in this text the significance of what Mary is praising God for, what it is that she is rejoicing over. That's exactly what it says in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. It praises God, rejoices in God, my Savior. And there's six things that really she thanks God for. 
She is thanking God for His condescension, His holiness, His mercy, His power, His sovereignty, and His faithfulness. But why? Why is she so thankful for these things? When you look back at verse 48, what it says there, He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Friends, just to put the scene in context, this is a teenage girl who is pregnant out of wedlock, meaning though she is betrothed to be married to Joseph, she's not pregnant with Joseph's baby. This is a young person who would be scandalized, not even by those standards alone, but even by our own standards today. And she is saying, recognizing what God has done in her and will do through her by the provision of this baby, who is no mere baby. As the Scripture describes, even in His very name, Emmanuel, God with us, she recognizes the significance of this. Now, understandably, you can think about Christmas time, and oftentimes people get together and they'll exchange stories. Hey, how was your Christmas? What'd you guys do? Noche buena. What, what, what kind of activities do you guys have together? What kind of festivities? Do you get any gifts? And you explain, well, I, I got this, I got this. And it's kind of a bit of a sweet moment, like, oh, maybe sometimes it's actually an object you received, something you've been looking forward to. And for some of you as children who are here today, you're excited either for what you've already received or what you're still hoping to receive later today. And when you do, you're going to show that to your friends, and you're going to thank your parents and those who gave you those gifts. Friends, what you see here in verse 46 and following is Mary is not just telling her cousin Elizabeth, she is actually, she is overwhelmingly telling anybody who will listen what God has given her. As she considers her humble estate, she recognizes she does not deserve such a gift to be given this privilege, to be given this opportunity, even as she describes in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary recognizes that she needs herself what the rest of us need as well. Some perhaps come from a Roman Catholic background here this morning. You know, being raised Roman Catholic, how there is a history of the Roman Catholic Church sort of commending and appreciating, even praying to Mary. It's a misguided direction to recognize even Mary herself recognizes she needs a Savior. She is not sinless. She needs one to rescue her. And ironically, the very baby to whom she is carrying is her Savior, my God, my Savior. But in all of these great things God has done for Mary, let's see the great things that God can do for you. Look at verse 50. In verse 50, it says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Friends, I want you to recognize the reason why Christmas is significant is not because we celebrate 2,000 years later what God did in one person's life 2,000 years ago, but what God is still doing in lives even today, from generation to generation. There are some of you sitting here today, parents with children, 
grandparents with children and grandchildren. Even your presence today illustrates this very text, how God has done a work in your generation and in the next generation and in the next generation as God continues to show himself to be who he is, a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of salvation. And what a testimony your very life is here this morning as a visual reference of how the same grace that God showed Mary has shown you and your family. Or perhaps you don't even realize this, or perhaps you do realize this, but you've not yet come to accept this. Your moms and dads, your grandmothers and grandfathers are praying for you that the same grace that God has shown them, has shown Mary, He would show you by you surrendering your life to Christ. But look at how God shows the grace to people. In verse 50 it says, His mercy is for those who fear Him. How does God show His care? Verse 51, to the helpless. Verse 52, to the humble. And verse 53, to the hungry. The helpless, the humble, and the hungry. You see, Christmas is a time to go public with not your bounty, your plentiful, but to go public with your need and your poverty, with your condition. You know, the truth is today, as we think about the reality of Christmas, it is often a reminder of the plentiful nature of what we have. If we can be honest, a lot of us are giving gifts to each other, none of which we actually need. Now, we enjoy giving the gifts. It's an expression of our generosity, expression of our thoughtfulness, expression of our love for each other. All of that's to be commended. But the reality is, at some point, we even realize, what do I give this person? I feel like if they would have needed it, they would have already had it because they have the means to get it for themselves. And so it might be hard for us to identify with this sense of dependence, this sense of desperation. But again, can we go back to 2,000 years ago and understand the context in which these words are being said? It's not a holiday in the way that we think of it today. It's a daily reality of how those people often lived. A time without refrigeration, a time without banking like we have today, a time without security and technology that we benefit often from today that gives us that sense of stability. It's a time of daily dependence. I mean, even think about the people of Israel. They were essentially helpless. They struggled with a sense of justice. No Israelite could claim civil rights in a court of Roman occupation. They were often hungry, downtrodden, discouraged, and there was no way for them to fight the system. There was no appeal they could make. So often they cried out to God, do you see me? Do you hear us? Have you forgotten us? And Mary is saying, God has not forgotten. God sees and knows. God cares and provides. And that's exactly what we see in the text here. In verse 51, how it shows his helpless. He has shown strength with his arm. 
Strength with this arm. This is this idea of how God in sort of this man language, a sort of human-centric language, anthropomorphic language, fancy word, I get it. The idea like God extends Himself to those who are weak, to those who are helpless. He shows His strength to those who feel like themselves have no strength. In verse 52, it says, He exalted those of humble estate. Today, we take pride in our followers, our likes, our retweets, our accomplishments, our degrees, our financial portfolio, our real estate portfolio, our automobiles, our electronics, our possessions, and how we present ourselves. We often present ourselves in such a way that we take pride in our security. And yet what's happening here in the text is that God values the exact opposite. He looks to those who recognize their humility, their inability, their dependence, and how God has indeed done that, how He has exalted those in that state. And then verse 53, the hungry he has filled the hungry with good things. A sense of longing. Perhaps you know what it's like to be hungry, physically hungry. Perhaps others of you know what it's like to be relationally hungry, feeling lonely. I remember speaking to a person just recently about the difficulty they're having as a young adult. They said, you know, one of the things that they enjoyed was their independence, their financial stability, their sense of accomplishment with their education and their vocation, their job. And yet for all that they had, they still felt remarkably lonely. Though they could live on their own, they didn't want to be on their own. They wanted to be with somebody. The recognition here is even God sees such realities in people's lives. But notice the contrast. God shows care for the helpless, the humble, and the hungry, but also in verse 51, He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. In verse 53, the rich He has sent away empty. This is the Lord turning everything upside down. As I said at the end of that video, so it is true. Friends, this is exactly what Jesus in His public ministry would later teach in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And He says after each of those, for they will be blessed. Friends, can I ask you a question this morning? What gives you the greatest sense of satisfaction? The greatest sense of security and identity? What fuels your hope for tomorrow? A promise of another year, perhaps the hope of a better year. What we see here in the text is how God shows such care for those who are helpless, humble, and hungry. Perhaps you feel like that even this morning on Christmas Day. You're here this morning 
Because unless you were here with these people, you would be outside of this room alone. Others will share meals or perhaps already have done so. And you will have no one to share that with. Friends, do you understand the reality is that God sees you and God cares for you? Or perhaps you believe that what you did feels more like what the Virgin Mary would have gone through, which is to be a topic of conversation, one of gossip. How is this woman pregnant and it's not Joseph's baby? Or one of scandal and rejected. Do you realize of what good company you are in with the characters we see throughout the Scriptures of how commonly God's people were misrepresented and rejected, misinterpreted and scattered, and yet God saw them. God cares. And this is still true today. Look at how Mary ends in verse 54. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to His offspring forever. The key here is the phrase, in remembrance of His mercy. Friends, you understand what everything that God promised to give, God gives? The truth is at Christmas time, some of you perhaps have your hopes on a particular gift. Maybe in marriage you've been dropping a hint to your wife, to your husband. You're hoping they heard it. Perhaps as a child you're hoping your mom or dad were getting you that thing that you've been looking forward to. Some of you as teenagers have been like pleading with your parents, can this please be the year that I have a phone? Then your life will be complete. You want nothing more the rest of your life once you have your first phone. And yet perhaps you might leave this Christmas disappointed that what you had hoped for, you did not receive. Maybe hoping that next year, next Christmas can be different. But friends, while all these gifts can come and go, here today and gone tomorrow, the invitation that God gives through His Son is a promise He makes and He keeps. An invitation and an offer for mercy that He always delivers on. And I want to make sure we do not leave here this morning without the opportunity for those of you who are not in Christ by faith alone and Christ alone because of His grace alone would hear the invitation of God today through His servant Mary to say, God comes to those who are humble. He comes to those who feel empty and hungry. He comes to those who feel helpless in their condition. God cares. God saves for all those who put their faith in Christ. So would you do that? Even before you leave here this morning, would you give your life to Christ and say, Christ, I give it all to you. For those of you who have done that and worship already with us this morning in song and the reading and praying, would you be reminded that no matter what the rest of the day and the weeks ahead hold for us, you like Mary can rejoice, joining with her, singing with her, praising God with her as your heart is filled with the reality God has come to be with us in order that He might live in place of us perfectly, die as a substitute for us, and then resurrect before witnesses that it might be proven it is finished. 
Because where you have a manger is nothing without a cross, which is nothing without an empty tomb. And because we have all three, we can rejoice with God. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Church Miami. May God draw you nearer to Him through His Word. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit gracechurch.miami.